have your Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 10. Uh, and while you're turning there, I want you to imagine for just a moment, I want you to take your minds and imagine another world. I want you to imagine aliens, if you will. And they're looking down at about 70,000 plus people who have paid ridiculous amounts of money. I saw on StubHub uh, this week where Super Bowl tickets are going anywhere from $3,300 to $15,000 to watch their favorite team in the Super Bowl. Uh, it, 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 does anybody think that's crazy? Except for Steve. Steve Kennedy is a Bengals fan, and he would probably sell a kidney to get there. I'm just going to guess. You haven't done that, have you? Okay, just checking. All right. But anyway, so they paid $3,300 to $15,000 to sit in a stadium, get this, that costs $5 billion to build. $5 billion, right? to watch 22 men being paid millions of dollars a year to dispute the possession of a pigskin that costs about $100, all right? Some will never understand the pull of football. Uh, some, on the other hand, are all about it. I'll be honest with you, my mom hated football. Okay, she hated it. She used to say, I don't understand why people want to watch grown men fall all over one another going after a foot. But does any, can anybody relate? Can I get an amen? amen. All right, all right. Are, are there a few of you who are out there saying your mom's a little messed up? All right, maybe a few. But for the fan, a football game, the Super Bowl, or any kind of sporting event, it's a place where wills are tested, where character is challenged, where champions are made. But there are some who will never understand the fuss over a bunch of guys trying to get a ball over a goal line. They'll just never get it. And there are some who will nev never understand why we do what we do in the church. There are some who sit back and they look at us and they see the thousand people that are gathered here this morning. That's a preacher count, just in case some of you, uh, you, you, you see all the people that are gathered here this morning. They don't understand why they would give up their time, would get out of bed early on a Sunday to come and, and gather together as a church and worship. Some will never understand that it's a place where we can come to develop eternal friendships. It's a place where we can come to grow spiritually. It's a place where we can come to become genuine followers of Jesus Christ. Now, when we look at any athletic event, any sporting event, particularly football, I think one of the most impressive things in a football game is when players continue to play when they're hurt. Right? It's just, it's inspiring to see people who maybe have a, a dislocated shoulder or a broken wrist or, a, or a, a, a messed up knee to continue to get out on the field and go, you know, and just continue to pound one another. It's inspiring to some. Roger Stahlbeck said, if you're not playing football hurt, you're not playing football. So what is it about this game that drives these men onto the field to win, even though they're in a ridiculous amount of pain? Well, some who are hard and cynical may think, well, they're million-dollar athletes. That's why they do it. They go out and they make millions of dollars a year. I'd do that, too. That's what some people think, and maybe that's true for some. But I think for some, it's more than just making a few extra bucks or even a lot of extra bucks. I think they're driven by a passion to become champions. They're driven by this um, desire to compete 
and, and win. And no matter what sport you play, there's always a chance that you could get hurt. Basketball, football, hockey, slow-pitch softball. This past summer, I was playing slow-pitch softball at Lincoln Park, and, and, and I'm playing first base, and a guy hits one down the first baseline. I'm like, I got this, and I go to bat. And the bat hop and comes up and hits me right here in the chin, right? And... Uh, I have a picture of it on my phone. I'm not going to show it to you. You want to see it after the service, I'll show it to you. But, but uh, I had I blood gushing from my face. I couldn't get the bleeding to stop. There are a couple of you in the room here that were here, and you can testify to just how awful and how life-threatening this injury was. And I get home, and I've got this, this, this chin that's all messed up, and Stacy said, what happened? And I told her all about it, and I... I might have embellished a little bit, and I told her that the worst part was I had to move. It hurt so bad, and I was just kind of knocked. I was dazed a little bit, and I had to move from first base to behind the plate because we only had 10 players, and if I come off the field, we've only got nine. We're shorthanded, and we might lose. I could hurt the team, and so I had to go behind the plate, and she said, you finished the game? I said, oh, it happened in the first game. I played a second one after that. And, and the guy who took my place, this was the worst part of it, the guy who took my place, and I hope he's not watching online, but he kept dropping the ball at first base. He kept, he kept making errors. And so the, before the second game started, I, I went to our coach. I said, I got to go back to first base. This, is, this hurts more watching him play first base than my chin hurts. So I got to go back to first base. But here's the deal. What causes people to do Stupid, I'll go ahead and say it, stupid things like that. Because as a 52-year-old man, I probably should have just stopped playing. And, and, and what causes us to do stuff like that? What causes people to just put pain out of the way and continue to go after it? Maybe it's ambition. Maybe it's desire. I don't know. Whatever it is, oftentimes we're willing to play hurt, we're willing to play games, we're willing to do things that we wouldn't normally do. But spiritually speaking, the Bible says we are all the players today. The Bible says we are all surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who are cheering for us, they're watching us, they want to see us succeed, right? And it also says there's times when you're going to go through hardships. There's times when you're going to be hurt. There's times when we're going to be in pain. And Paul says, listen, when you have those times, when you want to give up, you stay the course, you put up with the pain, you stick it out, you endure, you play through the pain. Because if you play through the pain, if you play through your hurt, then you're going to prove in the eyes of God that you are a champion, you're a real follower, you're just not going to quit when things get a little bit tough. And all of us have hurts, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, and we have hurts on so many different levels, and some have even stepped out of the game for a little while because they've been hurt so badly. And, and, and that's, I mean, that's okay for a little while. If, if you need to take some time for healing, I get that. If the hurt is bad enough. But here's the deal. If you genuinely are a follower of Jesus Christ, you get back in the game. You don't let that hurt become so hurtful that you just drop out all together. Because I think real followers of Jesus, they get back in the game. So let me ask you a question this morning. Where are you? I mean, do you need to come out for a play or two? You know, I, I've seen this before.
Kendall, I've watched you do this as a coach. You've got a player that's going at it hard, and they start tugging on their jersey. Like, I need a break, coach. I need a break. And so they're pulled out for a play or two, and, or maybe a minute or two, and you get them back in the game after they've recouped. I think that happens sometimes in our walk with Christ. We get tired. We get worn out. We get physically drained. We get hurt sometimes, and we need to come out for a little bit. Maybe that's where some of you have been. Maybe that's where you are right now. Let me encourage you not to walk away altogether. There might be some of you in this room today, maybe you've been out for a while. Maybe for years. Maybe there are some of you who are watching online, you're, you're like, you know what, I'm alright with, with, with Jesus. I love God, but I just, I just don't love going to church and it's safer you know, just to stay home and, and watch, it, watch it online. I, and I, I want to encourage you that, that if you've got hurts, that have not healed, maybe it's from years ago, I encourage you to do what you need to do to seek resolution so you can move past that pain and get back in the game. There's times when you've been hurt, you feel like you want to give up. Or there's times when you've been hurt and you feel like you want to find a new team. That's okay too. There are people who are sitting out here now that have come from another team. Another church, if you will. Sometimes that needs to happen. There's people that aren't in our pews right now that I hate, but they've gone somewhere else because of, of hurt. I encourage you, if that's what you need to do, do it. But don't give up on God. If you give up on a, if you give up on a church, you know, well, we certainly don't want that to happen here. But don't give up on God. If you're a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, you don't quit. You keep playing the game even though it's hard, even though sometimes it's very frustrating, even though it seems like you're never going to win. And and here's why. Here's what everyone in this room, I think everyone watching online, I think this is something that everybody needs to understand. We are willing to play hurt because our contribution matters. What we do matters. You matter to God. He cares so much about you. He values your time. He values your effort. He wants you to know that your life matters, even though sometimes when, when maybe ministers and, and even sometimes leadership, uh, elders in the church, sometimes maybe we make people feel sometimes like they don't matter all that much. And, and I, I just personally, I apologize if I've ever done that to you. But here's the deal. No matter what it is that you're going through, you need to understand that you matter to God even if you feel like no one else thinks that you matter all that much. The Bible says this, if you give just a cup of water in the name of Jesus, He knows about it. Anything that you do for Him, He sees and He's going to honor that. And there's this mindset sometimes in the grand scheme of things, we really don't matter all that much. But you need to understand that you do matter to God. The Apostle Paul said that we're all part of one body. We each have a function. Each part is significant. In fact, he goes on to say in verses 21 through 27 in his first letter to the church at Corinth in chapter 12, he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. 
But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You matter. You're significant. You have a place. You have a function. And you might not think that what you're doing is all that big of a deal for the cause of Christ, but it really is a big deal. It's a big deal to Him, and it's a big deal to the person that you're doing it for. Because each day we come into contact with people who need Jesus. You have the opportunity to minister to someone in your life that nobody else is going to have the opportunity to minister to. And if for no other reason than that, you are important to the body of Christ. Jesus called us the light of the world. And every single one of us are called to shine that light. Every single one of us. None of us are, are exempt from that command to let our light shine. But here's the truth of the matter. Some of us at times, and maybe this is where some of you are at right now, Maybe your flame has diminished a little bit. Maybe you're not shining quite as brightly as you once did because of your hurt. Maybe, maybe that, that flame is just a little bit of a flicker right now. It's not burning like it once was. Trust me. I get it. I've been there. And the Lord has shown me time and time again that I matter to him. I matter to his church. I read this week that there was a uh, relay race that was held uh, traditionally in ancient Greece. And I think it carries a great lesson for us still today. Uh, the race went something like, like this. It was called the Lamp. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce this correctly. Lampadodromia. Something like that. I don't know. Uh, but here's basically what the relay race was all about. Every runner uh, that ran had a torch in their hand and they passed it on to the next runner until the final member of the team crossed the finish line and the prize was not awarded to the team that crossed the line first. The prize was awarded to the team that crossed the line first with their torch still lit. And here's an important lesson for us to learn. While it's important to start a race, it's even more important to finish the race with our torch still lit. And I think sometimes we've gotten off to a good start. and Maybe we've done some great things for Christ early on in our ministry. But then the hurts come and we get sidetracked and we take our eyes off of Jesus. And, and our light starts to flicker a little bit. And maybe we've started out with good intentions, but then life happens. You know what I'm talking about? And then we just kind of give up. One of the most tragic things that ever happened to me when I was ministering at a little church in Kentucky, Stringtown Christian Church in Grant County, Kentucky, had a couple that was associated with our church. They didn't really go to our church, but they were associated with our church that had been married for over 60 years. The husband uh, was dying of cancer, and on his deathbed, he told his wife he wanted a divorce. I'm not kidding. I wish, I wish I was making this up. After 60 years of marriage, on his deathbed, before he's getting ready to meet Jesus, 
He gave up. He, he just wanted to... Why else would you do that? He just wanted her to feel pain. And I'm thinking... And, and this guy was supposed to be a believer. And, and I think... What causes someone to get to the point where they would do something so evil, so mean, so wicked? And I think here's what happens sometimes. This is what drives us to do things that we wouldn't normally do if we're not following Jesus the way that we should. Then we're subject to doing these dumb things as well. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10. We're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And so here's what I think happens. We feel this pressure coming in. We feel all this pain. We feel all of this, this loneliness. We feel all this stuff that's coming in from every side. And all we see is that we're hard-pressed. We're, we're crushed. We're persecuted. We're struck down. We don't see the other part that says, yeah, these things happen, but God is there to bring us through. And so we have to develop some habits in our lives that will help us continue in this race of life so that we can reach the end with our torch lit, not just flickering, but brightly. Matthew 24, 13, Jesus said the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Right? How tragic to live your life for Christ and then give up. Or how tragic to even just live most of your life for Christ and then give up. I want you... Every single person in this room, I want you to stand firm. Every single person in this church that's not here today, those of you who are watching online, I want you to stand firm to the end. Jesus wants every single person to stand firm to the end. Now, he knows that every person's not going to, but that's his desire. That's what he wants for each and every one of us. That's why he came. That's why he went to the cross. So that we could all become a part of his kingdom so that we could all become a part of something that is much bigger than we are. And that's the second thing that I want to share with you this morning. We're willing to play hurt because we understand it's about something that's bigger than ourselves. It's not about us. Someone said this a long time ago. It's one of my favorite sayings. There's no limit to what can be accomplished if you don't care who gets the credit. And I think what happens sometimes, and it even seeps into the church, it's all about us. Somewhere along the way within the church, we've been guilty at times of thinking it's about us. It's about what I can do. It's about what I like. It's about what ministry I'm a part of. It's about what directly affects me. And there's times when we lose sight of the big picture and we start to pay attention to our own hardship and what affects us. There's times when we, all of us, we take our eyes off of Jesus and we start to focus more on the waves. Heard a story about Tommy Bell. He was a longtime referee in the NFL. He's a member of Southland Christian Church in Lexington, Kentucky. And, and Wayne Smith tells the story of how Tommy was officiating in the Super Bowl as Kansas City Chiefs back in the 19, uh, back in 1970, Super Bowl number four. And there was a, a tight end by the name of Fred Arbanis. And, the, and, and he hits a guy head on. And I guess it was just a very violent collision. And one of Fred's eyes popped out. Yeah. Well, not until then did we know that 
or did they know that he had a glass eye? Okay, I mean, it wasn't like his real eye didn't lie, right? He had a glass eye, and people on television are watching this, and there's a delay in the game, and everybody's kind of like, what is happening here, you know? And so Arbanus had this artificial eye, and there wasn't any problem finding the dislodged eye, and so they, they call for the water bottle, like, okay, there it is, you know? And they said, keep your eye on the ball. That's a little ridiculous. But anyway, they call for the water boy, and he comes out. Don't give me a thumbs down, Spencer. That's fun. But anyway, uh, so they find the eye, and they're clean. They clean the eye. the water boy cleans the eye up, and they put it back in his eye. And Tommy Bell, the official, he was he wasn't a very tall fella, and he looked up at Fred Arbanus and said, "Fred, I don't believe this. I mean, you know, you you've got one eye, and and your livelihood, and your security, and your profession, and your future, and everything depends on your eyesight, and you've already lost one of your eyes." What would you do if you ever lost sight in the other eye? And Arbanus said, well, Mr. Bell, I guess I'd become a referee like you. <laughs> that hurts me <laughs> just a little bit, Patrick and Andy. Wing, I mean, that, that kills us, you know, and a little offensive. But I'm telling you. I don't know. I mean, if my eye, I don't care if it's artificial or not. My eye pops out. I don't know if I'm going to keep playing or not, you know? But Fred Arbanus was a part of something bigger than himself. He, he wanted to win. He wanted to help his team to the championship. And here's the deal, church. We've got we to realize that we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And we have to keep striving toward that which Jesus has called us to do. And sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's downright painful. Sometimes we don't like what people say about us. Sometimes we don't like what they don't do for us. Or what they do do to us. But the Bible says press on. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to suggest that Jesus didn't really like everything that people said about him. Just guessing. And he didn't really like when his followers wouldn't do what he was asking them to do. And I'm certain of this. He didn't like everything that people did to him. I'm pretty sure that when the Roman soldiers were driving spikes into his left wrist, that he didn't say, hey, don't forget my right wrist and my feet too. That was a painful, painful experience. And yet he was a part, he knew that he was a part of something way bigger than just himself, even though he was God. He made himself nothing. And went to the cross on our behalf. He was a part of something so much bigger. And so he was willing to play hurt. Emotionally. Physically. And he laid down his life. So that we can live forever. And third. Because of his great love for us. And what he did for us at Calvary. We're willing to play hurt. Because we love Jesus. At least we should be willing to play hurt because we love Jesus. Put everything else that I've said out of the picture today and your love alone for Jesus should be enough for you to be willing to play hurt. 
I think some of the most iconic moments in sports history were when people made a comeback and played hurt. I think about Willis Reed coming back onto the floor at Madison Square Garden, leading the New York Knicks to a championship game seven over the Los Angeles Lakers. And any time a team from California can lose, I'm okay with that. So go Bengals, right? Um, I remember Kirk Gibson's home run. Remember you sports fans, and some of you are sitting out there are not sports fans, so you, you've already shut me off. That's okay. Uh, but Kirk Gibson's pinch hit home run, he comes off the bench. Remember that? And he had the, the gimpy knee, and he could hardly walk, and he comes up to the plate and hits a pinch hit grand slam, and Dodgers go on to win the World Series. Yeah. How many of you remember the Olympics? Carrie Strug, 1996. Remember she broke her ankle? Remember that moment? And it's probably the only time in, in my life where, like, women's gymnastics was like, yeah, it's great. For me, anyway. I mean, for y'all, some of that might be fine. But for me, I'm not really into women's gymnastics all that much. But that moment was huge for that young girl to stick that landing with a broken ankle. Absolutely amazing. Or maybe my personal favorite was when Kyle Schwarber came back from a torn ACL. You knew I had to get a Cubs reference in there. He comes back from a, from a torn ACL, didn't play all year long, comes back r during the World Series, and he helps his team win the World Series over a team from northern Ohio who now has a new mascot, and I won't mention it because I don't want to hurt Patrick's feelings. But anyway... Some of the greatest moments in sports history happen when people push through, when they play through the pain. And I think some of the greatest moments that can happen in your life personally, some of the greatest moments that can happen in, in, in the life of the church is when our love for Jesus is so great that we push past the hurt, we push past the pain, we continue to serve Him and serve one another. I think that's one of the most inspiring things that can happen is when people press on in the face of adversity. Those incredible moments happen because a believer loves Jesus enough to push through it. The pain, the disappointment, the heartache, and you don't quit. And they allow God to deliver them. And they allow God to use them. Maybe even to deliver someone else. I know that several years ago, Wayne was asked to preach um, his sermon, Playing Hurt, at the North American Christian Convention. And as a part of his message, um, he said something along these lines. And, and, and he was preaching. You know, at the North American, everyone was invited to go. But most of the, it was probably 70% ministry staff and their families, right? So he's preaching to a room full of preachers, but it was, he was preaching to everybody because we're all ministers. And here's what he said. He said, certainly it's easy to be discouraged in the ministry. And he quoted, and, and this was like 15 years ago when he said this, and, and I think the numbers have gotten worse in the last 15 years. He said, certainly it's easy to be discouraged in the ministry. 1,300 ministers are fired every month in America. In the last 25 years, divorce in the parsonage has increased by 
For every ten ministers who begin in the ministry, only one retires as a minister. Now this message is very simple and it boils down to this. Whether you're on a football field or you're in a factory or you're in an office, you're going to get hurt. You've either had problems or you're having problems or you're going to have problems. How many of you have ever been depressed, misunderstood, given a raw deal, had bad rumors told about you? Maybe you've been victimized by jealousy. Maybe you've had a serious illness. You've lost someone close to you. You've been lonely. You've been discouraged. Maybe your children didn't turn out the way that you hoped that they would. Maybe your marriage isn't exactly what you thought it was going to be. The Bible says this in Luke 9, 62. It says, again, this is the RBV, the Ron Bridgewater version. It says, stay in the game. Luke 9, 62. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So the question is, are you going to stay in the game or are you going to look back at your problems and say, ah, it's just too messy, it's just too hard. And my question for you today is that. Are you going to stay in the game? And if you are going to stay in the game, how are you going to play the game? Listen to what Paul says, 2 Corinthians 11. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. And then he said, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 and 9, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Can you, would that be you? Would you go on? Hope you. I hope I would. Or would you give up? And would you be probably like I would be sometimes? Sit there and complain, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Here I'm serving you. I'm doing everything I can possibly do for you, and you're allowing all these bad things to happen. I mean, listen, no one is exempt from pain. I'll close with this. Lou Gehrig played first base for the New York Yankees. Fifteen seasons, he played. He hit home runs in seven different World Series. But the thing that is most impressive, I think, about Lou Gehrig, he played 2,130 games without ever missing a game. Every time he had a game, for 2,130 straight games, he played every single one of them. And when he retired, they x-rayed his hands, and every finger on his hands had been broken at least once, some twice, some three times. And he never missed a game. And maybe some of you have been hurt emotionally. As I said earlier, our Lord certainly was hurt. But he kept going forward because he knew that that was the only way that we could be restored to his Father. Wayne Smith closed his sermon with this, and it's what I want to close with as well. He says, at the first Sunday school picnic, Jesus fed, fed 5,000 people. 
And then he said, I want someone to preach. And it dropped to 500. I can understand that. (laughs) Then he said, I want someone to pray. It dropped to 120. I want someone to witness. It dropped to 70. I want some disciples. It dropped to 12. I want someone to pray with me all night. It dropped to 3. And then while he's hanging on the cross, there was only one who stood with him. And I'm sure Jesus was hurting physically, emotionally. Even his own father turned his head. And Jesus said from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He did that for us. loves us what are you going to do for him because of your love you're going to throw in the towel you're going to keep going several years ago u.s news and world report told about a little girl seven or eight years old very thin little girl pulled her 180 pound father out of a swimming pool and saved his life and they asked her how in the world did you do that you know what she said she said oh it was easy i love my dad ask you to stand with me and if you're here this morning and you say you love God you say you love Jesus we want to we want to give you an opportunity to demonstrate that love maybe you've never surrendered your life to him we want to give you that opportunity maybe you have but you've kind of quit playing the game some you haven't been as active as you ought to be you haven't been as faithful as you ought to be maybe you been like me at times and you've whined and you've complained about different things that different people have done or are doing can we just all agree to put that aside and focus our eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith if you're watching online and you have a decision you want to make we've got a church connection number that you can text the word ready to that number and we'll reach out to you and get with you and talk with you about what you can do to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe there are some of you who are going through a painful time right now and you really need someone to pray with you, talk with you. We'd love to do that with you as well. Whatever your need may be, um, we just encourage you to give it to Jesus this morning. Let's pray together.